our message uh, this weekend uh, you could think of as kind of a season finale. You know what those are? You get to the end of a, a show you're watching and you go, oh no, there's no more. And so uh, we've been studying the uh, Sermon on the Mount since last September. And uh, we, we began under the title, The Kingdom Culture. What does it look like? What, what do we do? How do we experience the kingdom as kingdom citizens, as kingdom people? What are we walking out? And uh, we, uh, it's all part of this Sermon of Sermons, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Jesus uh, sat down on the north side of the Sea of Galilee and began to speak. And here was Word made flesh speaking uh, across really the ages to this very day in this very place. Uh, we began, and I just want to kind of review because uh, you may want to go back and look at some of these. We began with what I call the mission plan, the Beatitudes, these eight elements of what it means to launch as a believer. Uh, very powerful to realize that we begin uh, with spiritual bankruptcy, realizing how empty we are, and then he fills us. And, and from there, we, do, we go on this launch. Um, that was our study uh, early on in the fall. Then we talked about how we engage the world around us, the mission that we have as salt and light, how we engage as the kingdom culture. That's the next slide. There we go. And uh, in the next few verses, very powerfully, these images show us, we are salt. You are salt, Jesus said. Uh, and you might not have thought of that, but you are the flavoring, the preservative, uh, the medicine that the world needs. And you are light. You bring light because of Jesus everywhere you go. You might say, I don't think I'm doing any good. It's just I don't know how I can help in this situation. You bring light because you bring Jesus into the places you go, the situations you engage. And then we talked about these uh, 12 topics, the word on Anger and lust and divorce and oaths and retaliation and, and giving and prayer and fasting and treasures and worry and judging. They might not have been the topics we would want most, but these were the topics that Jesus wanted most. And so these are the things he wanted you to know, uh, his word on these things. And now we've been in, in this uh, shorter series uh, as Jesus closes the sermon. We've called it Five Keys to Kingdom Come. How do we turn the key? How do we see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? We talked about kingdom prayer, kingdom focus, finding the narrow way, kingdom authenticity, kingdom surrender. And this final message is on kingdom resilience, foundational choices. That we must make. Jesus, in these recent uh, passages, these recent statements, he wants you to make sure that you enter by the narrow gate. Most important thing, where you start, got to enter by the narrow gate, not the wide gate, not the easy gate, not the easy road, not the road with a whole lot of people. It's a more difficult pathway. And then listen carefully. Uh, for the voices of truth along the way. There are a lot of false prophets. There are a lot of false teachers, teachings, false preachers and preaching. And so we want to listen and carefully uh, look at the truth, look at the word of God and, and compare. 
And then we talked last weekend about making lordship of Jesus your priority and not just lip service. It's not just going through the motions and saying the right words. And today we're going to talk about building construction and how we build the right foundation. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7 beginning in verse 24 as Jesus continues and speaks. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, The crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now let's stand and let's pray. Father, we give thanks for this amazing teaching, for these incredible chapters for this remarkable truth, for this word made flesh then speaking among us. And God, we pray that we might, as we conclude this study, that we might grasp exactly what it is you need for us to know right now as we seek to build the lives that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. So Jesus is kind of like the king of metaphors. (laughs) He has used a lot of them. Just in these last uh, brief passages, he talked about gates that are narrow and gates that are wide and roadways that are difficult and roadways that are easy and and wolves that come in sheep's clothing and, and fruit. On trees that's either good fruit or bad fruit, good trees and bad trees. And and then sheep that uh, really are, are in sheep clothing, but they are deceived sheep going the wrong way because they've listened to the wrong things. And now he starts talking about building projects. Wow. Could we have any more metaphors in, in this section of scripture? I don't, I don't know how. But he's talking about, at this point as he closes the sermon... What sort of house are you building? What, what's your plan? How, how are you going to respond to this? The house you build, of course, is your life. He's not, he's not talking about building someplace out in Vieira or down in Rockledge or someplace like that, okay? Uh, he's talking about decisions that we make about the life that we're going to live, what kind, of, what kind of life we're building, And it echoes, it reminds us of Joshua chapter 24. You remember Joshua, uh, that he finally came to a point and and everybody was thinking, well, maybe things were better back in Egypt. And and he says, look, you do whatever you want. (laughs) He's the leader. He says, you do whatever you want. If you want to go follow those old worthless gods of your fathers, uh, go go ahead and do that. Me, my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
Anybody with Joshua? Okay, I know. I bet if I took a poll, there are a number of you who have that written on a plaque somewhere. Uh, maybe prominently in your home. Because it is so important. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I have to tell you that at the beginning of this passage, there actually is a therefore in the text. We didn't see it in the ESV. Uh, ESV says, everyone then. Um, and, and that's just a different way of translating uh, I like it in the NIV and the New American Standard and some of the other versions that says, therefore, <laughs> because it's so clear that it's connective to what has just come before. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, what words? At least the section that he's just been in or really the whole, the whole sermon. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is his conclusion, is like this wise man who built his house on the rock. It's a connection. Based on everything that Jesus has been saying, there is a choice to be made. And and it makes all the difference in the world about the life that we will build. You've heard the word, will you put it into practice? I remember we used to have a teacher that came to a church that we served years ago. And he came. we had him come every year. And I loved what he said because at the end of every session, we do a whole seminar teaching. At the end of every session, he would say, all right, you've now heard it. You are responsible for it. And that's the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. Now you've heard it. No excuses. You've heard it. And there's no There's no excuse. You're responsible for it. So we want to make sure that we understand that. And he begins to talk about foundations, how important those are. In construction, I would suggest to you that there's nothing more important than the foundation. I thought about it a lot. I've never built a house. I've done some renovation type stuff. But I will tell you that my dad, when we first moved to Florida in 1963, was a home builder. That was his first business. He later worked in mainly in real estate, commercial real estate. But he was a home builder. And so I grew up as a little kid on job sites, hearing and, and, and learning about construction and the things that went on there. And my dad, I think, would have said, nothing is more important than the foundation. You know, if you put a bad roof on your house... That's bad, but you can replace that. It's going to be costly. It will be. You don't want to find out. The roof you just put on your house is no good. You don't want to hear that, right? But you can fix that. You can have stucco that is cracking and falling off. You can fix that. Oh, you don't want to see that. Amen? Some of you probably had that. You can have siding that isn't the right siding, and that can be refinished. But if you have a bad foundation, you have a slow disaster in process. It may take a while, but if you have a bad foundation, there's very little you can do. Uh, and, and there's some foundations that can be propped up and supported, but you're in danger of, of crumbling. The most beautiful home, most lavish appointments, it's in danger if the foundation is not solid. Looks really good up here but it's crumbling underneath. And we know here in Florida that a most magnificent tower with glistening windows is in peril of collapse if the foundation isn't good or if the foundation is eroding. And so that's what Jesus is talking about in our modern view. 
there were the same things going on in ancient times. In Colorado, many mountain homes and cabins are built on a single huge rock. <laughs> I mean, we, we've looked at a lot of cabins out west, and it's just amazing how many of them, there's a huge rock right on top of it. It's like, well, what else would we do? <laughs> it's not going anywhere. And if there's not a big, huge rock to build on, then they dig down and put some footers down to the rock. They actually have this stuff called rock <laughs> in Colorado. And in those places. Now, sometimes I've seen a cabin that's built on stumps for the foundation. And I think that's just because if you got a lot of trees there, what are you going to do? Digging out stumps is hard. And so they just cut, they would a lot of times just cut them off and build on the stumps. They're actually very strong, but that's not your best foundation because they begin to sink. I've seen where they begin to sink and the, and the cabin begins to tilt or, or begins to crack. So the structure can sag. Some folks actually get a little carried away with this building on a rock thing. That seems a little isolated to me. (laughs) That's getting away from it all. Our big problem in Florida is there is no rock. We're a, we're a big giant sandbar. Do some of you know this? Yeah. I mean, there's some coquino and some stuff like that, but we don't have rock like they do in, uh, in the Appalachian Mountains, and we don't have rock like they do in, across most of the country. Uh, many of you have lived in an area where you just dug down and you made a nice, dry basement underground. That does not happen in Florida. <laughs> does not happen. Uh, in, in fact, uh, we have mostly just sand, so we understand the sand part of this. And so our only choice is to pour our own rock and that's what we do. We pour a foundation with steel that simulates rock and f- actually floats on the sand. Did you realize that all of our homes are just floating? They're floating on sand above the aquifer. That's what we do. And every once in a while, there's this sinky thing, sinkhole thing that happens. You don't want that, right? But we're just sort of floating on the surface of this big sandbar. And, uh, and that steel and that concrete is really, really important. In Florida, we know about the building on sand illustration, don't we? If you haven't seen it, you will eventually. Uh, and foundation issues near the beach and, and uh, along the coast are really significant. Building a good foundation in those areas is critical. Because we actually know about this thing that Jesus was talking about. When the winds come, we know about that. And the rain falls and the floods rise. It's called... Hurricane season, yeah. It's not if, it's when and will it hit and how bad. I don't know if you know, but there's already a tropical storm named Agatha. It's out in the Pacific, thank God, right? Did you know that? Yeah, tropical storm Agatha. And they say she is not well organized. I don't care about her personal habits. I just want to know, is she coming our way? And I don't think she is, all right? But they say this about the wind and the, the rain and the, and the floods. But the truth is that those um, homes, those homes that are built with deep, solid foundations will weather the storm. Jesus says so. And we know that is true, yeah. So what is the rock foundation in this life of the Spirit? What is Jesus talking about? Well, he's very, very clear about it. He doesn't want you, this isn't some mystical thing that you're going to have to figure out. Everyone who hears 
these words of mine and does these words of mine. Hearing and doing. The words of Jesus put into action. The words of Jesus obeyed. There's that obedience factor. And so the material for spiritual foundation is hearing the word. That's the rock and the concrete and the, the rebar is the word. The method for building a foundation is doing the word. That's what we have to do with what we have received. It's not a matter of just listening and saying, well, that was nice. I feel illumined. I feel wiser. I may have that so I could tell someone else someday what they ought to. That's not what he's saying. Hearing and doing the word of God. James said it in a very similar way. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He said, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, we deceive ourselves when we just listen and say, oh, that was nice. Uh, Maybe I'll need that someday. Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away at once, and at once forgets what what he was like. It's like looking in a mirror and saying, boy, my face is dirty. Oh, well. No. We want to attend to that. Look at my face in the mirror. I need a shave. Well, do something about it if you need a shave. If you shave, okay. I'm not trying to get on beards, all right? (laughs) I like beards, okay? But he's talking about a poured foundation. And a poured foundation in our world is made of concrete and steel. A firm foundation. It's not just about the materials, but it's actually about how you pour it. The topsoil has to be excavated. The fill has to be compacted. The footers have to be poured deep, and then you pour the foundation. If there's any one thing that I remember from my dad saying over and over again, he never built a house that he was not there when they poured the foundation. I said, Dad, what's the big deal? He said, I'm going to make sure it's poured right. Because there's some ways that you can go quicker. You can water it down. You can make it easier, and you don't want to do that. I'm out there to make sure it's poured right. And I think it's really important for us to realize how important it is the way our foundation is poured. You probably already know this, but concrete does not dry. It actually cures. That's the word. It's not a Greek word, but it's an important word. It's a chemical reaction. It's not drying. It's, it's having a chemical reaction. You do wet it down for a period of several days so that it cures correctly. And one thing about concrete is that the, the pour cannot be rushed. It cannot be watered down. And it really needs to be all at once. You can't get partway through the pour and say, oh, no, we, we ran out. So I guess we'll put the rest in tomorrow. We'll get another truck. You can't do that. It creates what, what they call a cold joint, and it will crack later on. So you want to make sure that we pour correctly. You know, I think there's so many uh, comparisons to our spiritual life. We're poured at once, and then we begin to cure. We begin to harden. Did you know that concrete never stops curing? It never stops. So our, our house that we live in is 41 years old, and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger, the foundation, every day. It's, it's so very true of our spiritual life. 
You might say, well, well, I've been a believer for 41 years. Your foundation is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. A concrete foundation is ready to be built on. They say it's, it's ready and strong after 28 days. It can be built on sooner than that. But it's ready to hold after 28 days. But it never stops getting stronger. Someone say, praise God. Yeah. And I think it's the very same thing with us spiritually. That early on we want to be careful. But then we begin to cure. And we get stronger and stronger. So a firm foundation in Christ is poured carefully and it cures over time. And Jesus is the main ingredient. Jesus is the concrete. Jesus himself, 1 Corinthians 3 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Why don't we read that out loud together? For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ. Jesus Christ. So, if that's the foundation that we want to have, what what is the sand foundation? I mean, Jesus talked about that. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Is this about losing salvation? I don't know that it has to do with salvation specifically. It just means your life ends up in a disaster for sure. You're not where you need to be. and You're not where God wants you to be. You're not in the kingdom place. And so what is that sand? It's hearing and not doing. Hearing the word but choosing something else. Hearing, hearing the word and then doing it your own way. Well, I know that the word says that, but I, I just want to do this. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go my own way. Why? Because I feel that I want to do that. Failing to apply the word that we have heard. And it can be just deliberate disobedience to the truth that's been made known. In a lot of ways, it describes a lot of religion where we hear and we maybe even repeat and we maybe even say out loud, but we don't do the word. So important what Jesus is saying here. Building on sand is the quick and easy path. It's the quick pour. (laughs) Anything other than Christ and his word can be the sand that we build on. It might be an easy gospel that we heard, an easier teaching that we heard somewhere. It might be a cheap grace that we heard somewhere. Anything that that we're building on that is about human goodness and human effort, well, I'm going to do it uh, upon my, I'll save myself uh, by my work. Anytime that it's word that's watered down by the wisdom of the world, Well, I know that the Bible says that, but I'm a more modern person. And the world, I read this magazine the other day, and it says something different. Truth that is diluted by the whims of the flesh. You know, so many times people will say, follow your heart. The Bible says your heart is deceptive. The, The Bible says be careful of your heart. Don't follow your heart. Follow the word. That's what the Bible teaches. Building upon a faith uh, that is bent by the winds of the culture. There are many things that sound good. The culture is pushing on us all the time. 
or a life that is twisted by the traditions of the church or the way we were raised. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, I was just raised this way or the the church traditions I was in did this, but that's not biblical. Show me in the Bible. Or I was just raised that way. It's how my family's always done it. Well, we need to get with the family of God and look at the scripture, hear the word of Jesus and do it. We must be hearers and doers of the word. And this is the foundation. Now, where do we go from there? That's so important, but there's more to building. A foundation must be built right. It must be built plumb and level. Do some of you know what that means? Yeah. A plumb line is that line that you drop and you go, wow, I built that wall and it is not straight. (laughs) It is leaning. We don't want to build like that. And and level, we want the foundation to be level. And and if those things aren't there, then the walls can't be straight. If you don't start level, the house won't be level. If you don't start plumb, the house won't be plumb. So how do you do that? Actually, uh, the prophet Amos talked about it. In Amos chapter 7, verse 8, he says, See, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. The plumb line is the word of God. And the ultimate plumb line is Jesus. We've been studying it for these past nine months. That's the plumb line. That's what you measure against. If you're not sure, look at that. Now, there's more to construction. In the ancient world, they would set a cornerstone. And a cornerstone is not just a ceremonial stone. It's not just a stone with a a plaque on it that says, well, this is dedicated to so-and-so and and this and that. Uh, but the cornerstone uh, is the point at which, ev- from which everything is measured. It actually means an angle stone. From that point, everything else is drawn. From that point, everything else is measured. Why is that important? If I start building a wall and I start building from this corner and you start building from that corner, and you say, well, this looks pretty good to me, look at what happens. <laughs> oh, we didn't meet. We didn't make it. So we want to measure from that cornerstone. In fact, there are three essential stones in ancient construction. The Bible talks about them. The cornerstone is set first, and then the keystone finishes an arch. It is shaped in a way that will finish the arch and take the pressure. And then a capstone actually protects the structure from above and puts weight upon the structure from above. And Jesus is, de- is described as, uh, as really all of that. Jesus is the foundation, but Jesus is also the cornerstone. Matthew chapter 21, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected? It was the odd-shaped one that, that didn't really look right for, for putting into the wall. Has become the cornerstone. It fits there. This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. And he was actually um, referring to uh, a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 28. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. Everything is measured from that point. Everything goes toward that point. And if so, then it won't be off. Jesus is also described as the capstone. Now, it's a little bit interesting because the same Greek word, y'all wanted to know the Greek, right? 
Okay, the Greek word is gonia. Say that with me, gonia. Uh, it can be translated capstone, depending on, on the uh, uh, situation that it's in. It means the head of the corner. That's what it literally means, the head of the, the, head of the co- corner. It means either one, capstone. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 20, it's translated that way. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. It's using the same word. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. It's like trips over the cornerstone. But he on whom it falls, which means it must be from above, will be crushed. So it's a powerful stone. For us, it's a protective stone. The capstone takes the pressure of the structure and holds everything in place. Praise God. Jesus takes the pressure of the structure and holds everything in place. Are you grateful for that? That's what the scripture is saying there. He is at the bottom and at the top. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He protects the structure and he supports the structure. Isn't that marvelous? And so that's what we want. That's what we want built into us. Because the rains will fall and the floods will come and the winds will blow. And the house built on Jesus and obedience to his word will not fall. It's not going to fall with a great fall. The house built on sand or watered down word will fall and great is the fall of it. So in case it hasn't been clear, we need to build on Jesus and doing his word. Our construction in Jesus is secure. The word of Jesus is our foundation, the stable base of everything. Jesus himself is our cornerstone, the defining point for everything we measure against. Jesus himself is our capstone, the last stone put in place to hold everything together and to protect. Isn't that marvelous? Now, Jesus didn't start up some music, and he didn't have an altar call. Uh, He didn't have a long prayer or sing several verses or anything like that. It says, when Jesus finished uh, these sayings, the crowds were astonished. You know, at the beginning of this, it says he sat down because rabbis, that's how they taught. They sat down and began to speak. And so this whole time he's been sitting on the side of this hill. And I suspect that when he was done, he got up. (laughs) And in our modern culture, it's the opposite. If the preacher stands up and comes up here, oh, he's about to talk. I think he's going to speak. All right, we're ready to start. But but in that time, the, the rabbi sat down and then spoke. Now in a minute, I'll sit down and then you'll know I'm done. Okay, It's just kind of the opposite. But I love this passage because it says they were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority. They had never heard authority like this in any teaching. In fact, no one had ever heard authority like this in any teaching at any time in all of history. (laughs) He taught with this amazing authority, not as the scribes, not as the teachers of the law. The Greek word here, y'all love Greek in this service, right? Okay, it's the word ekpleso. Say that with me, ekpleso. And I love this word because it means to strike with astonishment, to amaze, to pound or flatten. Is that pretty strong? 
So they, uh, I, I've, I've told you before, I would translate this, they were blown away by this teaching as a modern way that we might say it. But, but that, to pound, they were flattened. They were just flattened. They, they, they were wrecked by this amazing teaching because he had an authority like no other teacher that they had ever heard. And what I would suggest to you is that if this message flattens you, wrecks you, that's a good thing. Because you will not be flattened by the storms that come. How many of you know there are storms coming? Yeah. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they're like. I'm not talking about hurricane season, but there are things, because things come in life. This past week has been a storm in our nation. Amen. It has. And how will we be strong in those storms when they come? How will we be strong? We need to build on that foundation of hearing the word and doing the word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we really have no idea the things that may come in life, but we know that you will be there. And so we choose to hear your word and do your word. God, help us as we pour the foundation, as that foundation cures and gets stronger and stronger every week, every day, every year. And God, build us in a strength that will not fall when the storm comes, whatever that storm may be. Father God, we love you and we and we praise you and we thank you. And we thank you for this teaching that comes across these years to us. We pray that we might be found faithful and responsible for what we have heard. In Jesus' name, amen.